Fit Nation. It's Fit Nation. Awesome. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you're leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like those who are in your inner circle, your family, your friends, would feel like you're a burden to them or you're embarrassed to tell them what you're going through, call the anonymous hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and press option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps to include the Military Broadcast Radio app. And check out our family of shows there, all hosted by veterans and uh, played around the world. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, the stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest has lived a colorful global life from barefoot backpacker to corporate leader, fire dancer, and traditional tattooist, kindergarten teacher to motorcycle courier, masseuse, and reflexology to laborer and travel consultant. Wow. Now this time, now his time is as a partner and father, coach, facilitator, and retreat leader. He is the author of the recently published book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, and can be seen delivering his TEDx talk on YouTube. So without further ado, let's welcome Jem Fuller to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Jem. How are you? Hey, Rich. I'm really well, thanks, mate. Thank you uh, for having me on your show. Thanks for coming from the future and talking to us here since uh, we're on the opposite uh, polar sides of the earth right now. Uh, it's great yeah. to have this ease of communications throughout the world. Uh, if you don't mind, Jim, if tell us on a little bit of your journey from as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. Uh, yeah, sure, man. Uh, look, I, you know, my childhood was pretty average, you know, pretty, pretty normal. And then I did what a lot of boys do. Uh, I think a lot of boys either kind of want to be their dad or they want to rebel against their dad and try to not be their dad. <laughs> and, um, and that's, I did the latter. So, you know, as soon as I finished high school, I just took off and fell in love with traveling really and spent um, all of my twenties and early thirties, just trying to get as far away from what I grew up in as possible. You know, I was really interested in traveling to countries that were really different to ours um, you know, I look back now and, and have some understanding of what was driving me. But when I was when I was a young fella, it was really just the adventure and, and wanting to go to places that were really different. And so, yeah, that that saw me, um, you know, doing whatever I could do to earn money to keep traveling around the world. And hence the list of um, <laughs> all the different things you read out. So I still when I hear that list, I still think, wow, did I really pack all of that in to one life? But I, but I did. Um Jump forward to early 30s, uh, had fallen in love, got married, had children um, and, and realized that, you know, I'd been a bum traveling around the world um, my early adult life and I had no qualifications. I had no career. I had, uh, you know, um, I had a lot of travel stories and that was about it, really. So I had to get a job uh, to feed the kids and spent eight years working with a multinational travel company and ended up in senior leadership. 
learned about leadership and coaching and neuro-linguistic programming and human behavioral profiling and cool stuff like that, which I loved. Uh, and then happened, then my midlife crisis happened. People call it a midlife crisis. I call it my midlife opportunity. And I, and I lost everything, lost the career, lost the marriage, lost my house. Thankfully kept my two boys uh, week on week off. So 50, 50 single parenting. Uh, and it was those two boys that really, my children were really what I needed to, for me to, um, you know, to hang on to some hope because I'd, I'd hit rock bottom, mate. I was drinking too much booze. I was deeply unhappy. I was dysfunctional. Um, like I said, I'd lost everything. And, and it was those two boys that gave me the hope to rebuild myself, my relationship with myself first, and then everything else. Um, and that was nine years ago. So now jump forward to now and um, life's pretty awesome, man. I, there's not a day that goes by that I don't pinch myself with gratitude. I feel super blessed. I work, the work I do is wonderful, bountiful. Um, I feed my boys and some, you know, uh, went before COVID, I travel around the world running leadership retreats in the Himalayan mountains up near, nestled in between Tibet and Pakistan up there and, um, and also in Bali. Um, I'm in a beautiful, wonderful relationship with a, with a gorgeous woman who adores me. And yeah, we live in a small little town on the coast in Australia with lots of waves. We surf and spend a lot of time in the outdoors. Um, so yeah, man, there you go in a nutshell. You still get some of your adventure right outside your door. Now you can go surfing and have some fun out there. And then yeah. as the COVID restrictions lift off, you can hopefully go back to uh, going around the world and on your retreats and have people find their inner peace and find their better, better way for themselves to go forward. And I think uh, you obviously enjoy traveling and uh, seeing different cultures. What's the most exotic place you've been to? Wow. There's a few, man. Um, but one of the ones funnily enough um, that stays with me as a really beautiful place to be. And it's, it's interesting talking with a vet um, and I've got friends who also served a lot and served a lot of time in Afghanistan and for me, when I traveled in the 1990s, the second half of the 90s, I traveled all through that region and I spent a fair bit of time up in the very remote north of Pakistan. And it was absolutely stunning. I mean, the mountains there were just ridiculously beautiful. Obviously, there wasn't the war going on yet. Um, it was peaceful times. Having said that, the Mujahideen still you know, ran the tribal areas. But the villages that I visited, the people up there are primarily mountain people. You know, the living is so subsistence and so real that most of their focus was taken growing food and, um, you know, rearing their livestock and, and surviving, right? So they're first and foremost mountain people. Secondarily, they were Muslims, but they were the most hospitable people I've come across. You know, they would welcome me into their villages and into their homes and feed me and um, you know, look after me. And I, I, I went there respectfully, you know, I dressed respectfully and I learned to say assalamu alaikum and I learned to show some respect and they, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And as much as I'm an ocean, ocean boy, I love the ocean. The mountains are really special to me as well. So yeah, that's, that's a, a pretty beautiful part of the world. Yeah. I always tell people if it wasn't for the war, that's a beautiful place to be you used to have to climb those mountains to you know look for the enemy but when you're up there you look out and you see the yeah. is going forever you can see the rivers going through the valley it's just yeah. it's beautiful if it wasn't for what you knew was going on there and like you yeah. said it's pretty serene to people like if you are respectful to them they're respectful to you 
If you yeah. show that you want to learn their culture, they want to be helpful with you in a, a posture. Yeah. Properly, they'll take you in. They'll do everything they can to help you and vice versa. So yeah, that's a yeah. great uh, way to describe them there. Yeah. You know what I love about that? Those mountains too, is that those mountains are so big yeah. and they've been around for so long, way before people ever came there. You know, they're like these big, beautiful giants that just will outlive us and all of our stuff. You know, humans, we, we try our best, but we get caught up in a lot of stuff, right? And, um, and you know, if you look at the history of, of the universe, really, or the history of the planet, at least, humans have only been around for the last second. <laughs> you know, we weren't here for most of it. And we're doing a pretty good job of messing it up. Well, who knows if we're going to be around in 100 years? I don't know if we're going to be around in 100 years or not. Um, but it's just nice to know that Mother Nature is kind of way bigger than us. You know, we're not as important as we think we are. We're kind of like a speck on the, the wheel of life. So it's, yeah. Uh, once you realize that and realize you're just a part of the bigger picture, you have to, that helps you to create a better way for others to, you know, have a better life. And like you said, maybe be here a hundred years from now and still be taking away yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I find that perspective that you and I are talking about really helpful. You know, when, when, if there are times when my problems seem insurmountable or, you know, they seem too big, just to walk outside and look up at the sky, especially on a clear night and to comprehend that we are, you know, a speck on a speck spinning around one star and we're kind of out on the edge of the Milky Way and you look through the Milky Way and I, I don't know if you know this bit of trivia, Rich, but the Milky Way is like a disc shaped and to get from our side our edge of the milky way across to the other edge traveling at the speed of light which is about three hundred thousand kilometers a second traveling that fast it still would take about one hundred and twenty thousand years <laughs> just to cross the milky way right. right and the milky way is one of billions of galaxies that we know of billions not millions billions of galaxies that we know of so when when my problems are feeling like when my life is feeling all too much and I go out and remember that I'm like <laughs> start laughing and go wow I really thought my problems mattered and they actually don't you know so anyway and, and you obviously mean you had your midlife opportunity you spoke of earlier and the, at that point I'm sure you felt like your problems mattered a lot at that point oh, yeah 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 in that bottom, and you were looking up at the sky saying why me why me but like you said, your boys, they were the ones that were your guiding light. They're the ones that made you get up each morning and push to get to where you are now. So you found yeah. your purpose and your, your sense of pride and everything like that. So is that something you take have taken and brought into your teachings to others now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I talk about the discipline of a positive perspective and also the art of perspective choice, because you, you just brought up a, you know, a really beautiful point there, Rich, is that not not every perspective is always necessarily appropriate you know so through the lockdowns one of my teenage boys was suffering anxiety and depression because he was locked up and he needs to be with his friends it's just the way he's built he needs to be skating and skateboarding and surfing and playing football and you know so yeah he was experiencing depression and anxiety and and for it, it wouldn't have been appropriate for me to go and sit next to him and say don't worry about it mate your problems are nothing it's a big universe it's 300,000 
blah, 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 to, to tell him about the Milky Way wouldn't have been appropriate. He would have been like, go away, dad, you're not, you're not understanding me. So it was more appropriate for me in that moment to have the perspective of sitting with him and going, I feel you, man. You know, I feel you. I'm here. It's going to be all right. We'll get through this, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I do teach that it's important to choose um, whichever perspective is appropriate and helpful in the given moment. And, some, and, and everything's relative, right? You know, what is trauma for somebody might not be traumatic for somebody else. And I think that everybody's experience is valid. Definitely. You know, if, if someone's experiencing something, it's valid. It's real for them. You know, so but but we can we can get better at um, the discipline of choosing a positive perspective, and I call it a discipline because for some of us we're we're born naturally more optimistic. Some people just naturally look at the glass and see it half full. Some people are just naturally more. Um, they'll say they're realistic, or but sometimes pessimistic, and they will. They'll just naturally see the glass as being half empty. Now, it doesn't matter where you are on this spectrum of positivity when we activate the discipline of looking at what's possible rather than what's not possible, we still get better results. This has been measured. There's been a bunch of research done on this. So when we sit in a given moment and we're caught and we notice that we're caught up in looking at what we can't do, how we're restricted, what's not possible, all the things that are going wrong. When we sit and go, hang on a second, what am I telling myself right now? And how could I flip this? What, what is possible or what could be possible? Or what can I do here? When we, when we shift our focus, we get better results, you know, and our sense of well-being goes up. So, you know, and the more we practice it too, the neurology starts to wire together. You can, you can train yourself to, to think like this. You know, it's like anything that we put on high repeat, we get better at it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's part of what, what I teach. And definitely, I mean, having a teenage boy trying to tell him it's not, it's not a big problem. That's, that's not something you want to say to a teenager, especially in those years they are going through their changes. They got to be with their mates. They got to be with their friends or they want to see girls. They want to do all the things teenagers do at that time. And yeah. you there and say, it'll be all right. You're okay. It's not, gonna yeah, yeah. you I think you took the best approach possible to a horrible thing that the whole world went through at the same time. And I'm sure many dads and moms had to have that talk with their kids around the world. And hopefully they all, found a way to weave through that minefielding and get it kind of correct, which, you know, comes to communication and having a, a steady communication and how that's very important in all of our life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I look, you know, we're, we're all perfectly imperfect, right? We all try our best, but we, when I say make mistakes, I don't even, it's not necessarily that they're even mistakes. You know, we, we, we try our best and sometimes things work and sometimes they don't work, you know, Sometimes we lose our call, you know, and I've certainly lost my call plenty of times as a dad. I think the, the parenting, the parenting stories for me anyway, have been one of the toughest and most rewarding, but one of the toughest relationships, um, you know, to try and figure out. But one thing that I've really tried to do with my boys, and they're, they're now 18 and 16, is keep the communication open, you know. And I've done a pretty good job of that. They tell me everything. Well, everything. I'm sure they've got some secrets. That's necessary as well. But, um, but we're very open relationship. Like they'll come to me and say, "Hey, Dad, I'm I'm up to this, or I'm doing this, or me and my mates are trying this or that." And they feel they feel safe to be able to tell me stuff that a lot of teenagers don't tell their parents. And for me, that's more important. You know, it's sometimes I wish I didn't know. It's like, oh no, <laughs> I didn't want to know that. Um, 
but I'd rather go through that and know that the boys feel safe to talk to me, you know. It's an open an open relationship that way, and they feel very comfortable to tell you, like you said, sometimes you don't want to hear it. You don't want to know what they did outside sometimes, and uh, some of those yeah. things need to stay out there, but but it's good that they want to come and tell you those things and share it with you, and you can shake your head later as well. My boys are really doing great. Now, I don't understand how, how they're surviving after what I went through, but this is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, I look in our culture and, and I, I'm guessing it's the same for you guys over there. You know, it, it's been just we've been indoctrinated as males in our culture. We get born into these families where we get told, suck it up, man up, toughen up, harden up, don't cry like a girl. And we get um, forced to devoid ourselves of our emotions, you know, not even to even go there and, and, and allow ourselves to feel whatever it is that we feel, you know, and for you, Rich, you know, you, you, you know, firsthand what it's like to, to serve and go through trauma and to, I'm guessing you can, I mean, you can tell me, I don't know, because I don't, haven't lived like you've lived. And there must be a lot of men who suffer afterwards because they can't even go and talk about it. Oh, definitely. And that's why at the beginning of the show, when I told them to talk to someone, to call and get the help, there's a lot. We lose about 22 veterans a day to uh, suicide because they Crazy. never got the help and they don't know where to go or they feel like no one will help them. So Crazy. it's a big burden that they feel is on their chest alone and they don't know that someone's out there that can say, hey, bro, we can take care of this. Let's, let's just talk this out. Let it yeah. out. You got to let it out sometimes. And maybe it's Crazy. yelling at the wall, but it, it'll help you out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, um, my, my version of, of keeping something in, you know, when I was really, really struggling and I'm okay to talk about this now, but for, for a long period of time, I was so ashamed in my, in my past marriage. Um, I put all of my self-doubt, my self-loathing, all of my anxieties, all of my worries, I put it into one um, very intimate part of my life, which was in making love in sex and all of my anxieties came into this and it started to manifest through the years of my marriage to the point where I was, I, I was dysfunctional. I was so anxious. I would have anxiety attacks. And as a man, I felt like a complete failure. Cause if you can't do that, what sort of a man are you? Right. We get taught. And I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. I didn't tell anyone. You know, I didn't tell my brothers. I didn't tell my mates. I, didn't, I was so embarrassed and so ashamed of who I was. And so I was deeply, deeply dep sad. And I was pretending to be happy because I, I looked around and surely every bloke's got it together, right? Yeah. Every bloke's normal. I'm the one bloke who, who can't do this, you know? And that went on for, for years. It was terrible, you know? And then when I finally had this midlife opportunity to kind of rewrite everything and I went to work repairing my relationship with myself convincing myself that I was good enough that I was okay and you know and, and healing and through that time I started part of my healing was to to share was to have the courage to share my toughest most secret tortures and I started talking about it with other men and that was part of the healing I had to do the healing myself but part of the healing was sharing and speaking up and when i spoke up guess what happened other men came to me and goes oh my god you too i've struggled with that too and i and I, then i went i'm not alone 
And not only did I realize I'm not alone, I realized there's a lot of men that have had experiences of struggling with that in at times in their life, you know, and as I spoke up, other men were liberated to speak up as well. And so, yeah, look, I think you, you're so you, you've hit the nail on the head, mate. We, as men, we need to be able to express ourselves and speak up and, and share what we're going through. And you'll be surprised. There's other men going through what you're going through as well, you know? Right. And once you get that burden off, like you found your, you found that there's a whole tribe out there with you at that. Yeah. Point. You're all, everyone was going on that same river at the same time. Yeah. Talking to each other the whole time. <laughs> hey, we're I know, right. Hey man, it's not just me. Okay. We're, we're all in the same, we're all in the same world. We're all in the same uh, journey together. Maybe we can help each other out and find a way through this. Yeah, absolutely. And by sharing your vulnerability, you actually connect more deeply with, with other people and and you find strength. I mean, we're communal animals. We're, we're societal animals. We need each other. You know, we actually, we, there's no way that even as a species, we wouldn't have been able to evolve as a species if we didn't find ways to socialize and work together in communities. You know, that's how we've been successful. And so to think that you need to carry your struggles on your own is crazy. You know, we need each other. I mean, you, you hear terms like introvert, extrovert. Those people also need people to talk to, no matter which side of that spectrum you're on. The introvert yeah. still needs people to talk to, to lean on. The extrovert thinks they're the, the boisterous one, but they are also doing that because they need someone to talk to. That's why they yeah. are today, because they need that they need that give and take. And and that's a that's another stigma that gets on people. Oh, if you're an introvert, you're not good at this, or you're an extrovert, you're too good at this but you're just people and that's where your comfort zone and you need to talk to people. It'll help you build your resilience. Like you did during when you hit rock bottom, you start to build your resilience at that point and seeing that you are a resilient person and to where you are now. And if you look back now and say, wow, I made it through that journey. It's a, it was a hard climb, but through knowing I had my boys and I can get out of this, I built my resilience even more to do this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, our resilience can only be strengthened uh, when we're faced with adversity. You know, if, if life's just easy the whole time, then there's no need to be, to be super resilient because it's, it's just, you're just cruising along, you know, (laughs) but when we get forced to deal with adversity and, uh, and, you know, look, we're all going to lose loved ones. We're all going to die hundred (laughs) percent. We just don't know when. You know, every, every person that is dear to you, every single person you love is going to die either before you or after you. Now, and that hurts. There's no way around that. It just hurts. And so we all, we're all in this together. We all feel the pain of loss. You know, um, we all need food and water. We all need shelter. We're all in this together. And uh, yeah, it's good to remember that and, and reach out for sure. And uh, my dad is, he's a 80, 81 now, or 82 now. He, as his, his friends were getting older and older, you know, more and more funerals for him to go to. I just asked him one day, are you doing all right? He said, you know, when we're born, we all have an appointment. At one point we're all going to go. So I'm, I'm good with this. Uh, we, we had fun together and I'll see him when I get there. So, and yeah. he has that perspective as an 82 year old man watching all his friends go. And that helped me out to understand a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know, and and unfortunately some of us go unexpectedly and and quite young, you know, my brother it was it was weird my 
father got diagnosed with a brain tumor um, that was 13 years ago and he had a year to live um, and so we were all living in different parts of the world and just before my father died my youngest brother who was living in Canada decided to move home with his wife uh, to be with mum so that we could nurse dad through palliative care at home and so he did we all came home and we nursed dad through and he died at home surrounded by all of us immediate family you know we were a family of six and that was I mean he was only 67 but still he was he'd been in pain with this brain tumor over a year and so it was almost like a relief for him to pass out of the pain Um, so it was kind of beautiful and then four months later the brother who'd moved back from Canada was on his motorbike and had a head on and was gone oh wow wow you know and so mum Mum went from losing her life partner to losing the youngest of her four kids. He was 30 years old uh, within a few months. And it was absolutely shocking and devastating. And none of us expected it. We were all in the grieving process of dad passing. And then Tim was gone. Uh, you know, and it was super painful. And if I could wind back time and undo that, I would. Um, but at the same time, I can't. So I don't lie awake at night um, with regrets. I, I actually have come to a place of, of being grateful for the opportunity to build the resilience that we've built, you know, and I miss him like crazy still. And every year on, the, on his anniversary, some years are harder than others, you know, and the, and the grief still comes in waves. But it's life, you know, like you and I were just talking about. We are all going to die at some point in time. And, um, and so... You know, it can be, death can actually be a a way to inform how you choose to live. You know, and since my brother died suddenly, unexpectedly, since then, I live every day like it could be my last, or at least I try to, you know, I'm not wasting days (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for a long time, you were having, you were kind of living that same life when you were the barefoot backpacker. I'm sure that was fun to get out there every day and be present. And now, now with all this loss, you realize that being present and having a good day every day is the best way to live. So to move forward, it helps you build your resilience and build your awareness of how to have a great life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've found also uh, as I've got a bit older, so I'm turning, I'm turning 51 in a few weeks. And so I'm kind of imagined that, you know, if I live to old age, I'm kind of halfway there. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so so in this halfway point um you know we start to we start to figure some things out and there's there's a sense of contentment or fulfillment when you shift your focus to contribution Right. right so a good day for me is a day when i can find a way to contribute to the betterment of somebody else's life in some way shape or form you know and so when we so there's a few things that we figure out like gratitude contribution perspective you know and if you can find a way to do something good for somebody else you just feel good it makes you feel good um when you sit there and and find some things to be grateful for you feel good (laughs) you know so um so if i can you know if, if each day if i can tick a couple of those boxes then i'm living a good life you know Exactly. And uh, reach one, teach one, I like to say, even if only one person listens to this show and hears us two speaking and it helps them to get to a, a better day tomorrow, we've done our job today. And uh, I think that's yeah. the, the best part of it. 
And we'll kind of segue here because, you know, you're the author of a recently published book, The Art of Conscious uh, Communication for Thoughtful Men. How did you come up with that book and how is it doing and uh, how, do you, how do you like it? Yeah, um, I can answer the last part first. Uh, I'm starting to get emails now from people who've read it thanking me for writing it. Uh, and that's such a relief, you know, because it's the first time I've written a book and I obviously wanted the book to help people. You know, I didn't just, I didn't just write it for a laugh. Um, I, I wrote it to try and help people. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's doing really well. People are um, feeding back to me that they're very grateful that I wrote the book. Um, I started writing about communication and, and conscious communication because I've been coaching now running my own practice for nine years now and, and coached many thousands of hours. And one of the common themes that comes up for people, um, you know, whether it's in business or whether it's in their personal lives is that we trip over in communication. And quite often two people are actually on the same page, but they're miscommunicating with each other and then they're at loggerheads. And, and, and also looking at the state of play globally now, and you've got these different groups of people that have identified with differing political ideas or, or different social ideas, and they're just screaming at each other, you know, and cancelling each other on, on Twitter and on these platforms, and they're just shouting at each other. And it's not actually helping evolve the, the problem. It's not solving the problem. It's actually making things worse, you know. So I, so I was thinking, wow, uh, you know, I think we could all really do with becoming more conscious in our communication. And being more conscious is quite simply being more aware of the communication itself. So if, if I'm communicating with someone and they're, they're, they're sharing something with me or they're trying to tell me their point of view, rather than, you know, queuing up to speak and having my, my I'm ready to just jump in and go, yeah, but yeah, but, you know, to sit there and put that stuff to the side for a second, take a breath, lean in and seek to understand right? To actually really seek to understand. That doesn't mean you always have to agree with the other person. At the end of it, you still might have a differing opinion and that's fine. But in the process of the communication itself, you know, to be more conscious, be more aware, what is the point of this communication? Why are we talking right now? What's the higher purpose of it? Where is this person trying to come from? You know, lots of, lots of, I mean, there's a whole book on it, obviously that I've written. So it was, I was writing a book about communication and then I had a book writing mentor and she said to me, um, you need to pick an audience. You need to write for a particular audience because the book's too broad. And she said, I think men could do with this book on how to communicate more effectively. Um, and I thought that was a good idea. I've been sitting in a men's circle around a fire for 12 or 13 years now and uh, just a bunch of men we sit around a fire once a month and we just pick a theme and, and talk about what that is for us and so I was aware of you know some of the things that men struggle with I thought actually that that would be a good book to write you know and like you and I said Rich earlier culturally we're indoctrinated with these old stereotypes of what a man should be and there's not much in there about communication <laughs> in fact it's shut it down and get on with it you know um, yeah, so that's, that's why I started writing the book and, and it's, um, yeah, it's out there now doing its thing. Awesome. And where can people get it? Oh, you can get it on Amazon or Booktopia or off my website, gemfuller.com is my website. Um, but Amazon just jump on and put in my name, J E M Fuller. I think there's a guy on Amazon called Jim Fuller, J I M. 
Um, that's not me. <laughs> or just type in the, the title, The Art of Conscious Communication for okay. Thoughtful Men, and it'll come up. Yeah. And if someone wants to contact you to maybe give a good uh, talk to their, their organization or to their men's group, how is the website the best place to find you there? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So if you just go to the website, gemfuller.com, and then contact there's a form there you fill out a form and it'll come through my team and it'll end up with me and and uh and i'll i'll reach back out to you and we can meet easily meet these days you know we can have a chat on zoom and um yeah it's awesome uh jim thanks for taking some of your time in the future to be with me today and uh, <laughs> out, man, it was a great talk uh, i think uh, the audience uh, learned a lot from this hopefully we like we said earlier hopefully we reached one teach one and uh make someone else's day better yeah, thanks for having me on, Rich. And um, and I just want to shout out to you, brother, for the work that you're doing. You know, it's so important. And it's people like you that are helping make positive change around the world. So, yeah, it's really lovely to meet you. I appreciate that. Have a good day. Cool, man. Baby, lay on back and relax. Kick your pretty feet up on my dash. No need to go nowhere fast. Let's enjoy right here where we at. Who knows where this road is supposed to lead? We got nothing but time. As long as you right here next to me, everything's gonna be alright. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Won't you ride with me, ride with me See where this thing goes If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be Baby, if it's meant to be I don't mean to be so uptight But my heart's been hurt a couple times By a couple guys that didn't treat me right I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie Cause I'm tired of the fake love Show me what you made up Boy, make me Don't you know you're beautiful And it's easy to see If it's meant to be It'll be, it'll be Baby, just let it be If it's meant to be It'll be, it'll be Baby, just let it be So won't you ride with me Ride with me See where this thing goes If it's meant to be Come on, ride with me, ride with me, see where this thing goes. So come on, ride with me, ride with me. Maybe if it's meant to be, maybe we do, maybe we don't, maybe we will, maybe we won't. But if it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Maybe just. So won't you ride with me, ride with me See where this thing goes If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be Baby, if it's meant to be If it's meant to be For me, for me
sing no more, hell no. I just want to sip it till the pain wears off. Make them drink strong, cause brother, she's gone. And if I'm ever gonna move on, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone new. Yeah, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. If I'm gonna make it through. If I'ma be single, I'ma need a double side of that. Make them drink strong, cause brother, she's gone. And if I'm ever gonna move on, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone new. Yeah, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. If I'm gonna make it through. If I'ma be single, I'ma need a double side of that. We do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. 
Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Fit Nation.
y no te me hagas eh, que en cover de vivo tú has visto mi cara eh, no salgo de tu mente donde quiera que viaje ha escuchado mi gente eh. ya no soy high, high soy como el testa rosa yo soy el que se la vive y también el que la goza 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 es la cosa mami es la cosa el que mira sufre y el que toca goza I said I like it like that. 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 I'm just in the chat. 